0: Alright, what's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of Time Out with Doc and Caveman. We are on one of our last episodes here of the 2021-22 team previews. After this episode, we only have two more. Today we're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Before we dive into that, I just want to remind everybody to make sure you subscribe on YouTube and wherever you listen to audio podcasts. And don't forget to throw this video a like. We appreciate that support. But let's dive right into the 76ers. Last season, they were 49-23, and 23, which was first in the Eastern Conference under head coach Doc Rivers, which I think that was surprising to a lot of people. People expected them to be better, be improved. But first in the conference conferences, uh, yeah, uh, to me, odd. a little surprising. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what that says about the rest of the conference, but they were 13th in offensive rating, second in defensive rating, which made a big difference for them. A few other random stats: they were eighth in three-point percentage, the fifth best rebounding team, they were the sixth best team in terms of defending the three-point line, and they were fourth in uh, or allowed the fourth worst two-point percentage as well. So very well rounded defensively, which is not surprising. Their individual season leaders, points, Joel Embiid at 28.5, mm. Tobias Harris at 19.5, rebounds, Embiid at 10.6, Dwight Howard at 8.4, you had Simmons at 7.2, 7. Tobias Harris at 6.8. They had quite a few guys that were up there. Assists, Ben Simmons at 6.9. Steals, you had Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybulle at 1.6, Danny Green at 1.3. And then blocks Embiid at one point four and Tybele at one point one. So, Caveman, who impressed you from last season? Man,
1: that's the same two names on the leader on the season leaders. I'm so shocked. Shocking. Uh, there's there are several candidates here, and obviously. Ben Simmons. <laughs> I mean, not he did. I mean, no. But, I mean, he he. he <laughs> I mean, uh, he no to talk about Ben Simmons. And we'll get in. We'll obviously get into the Ben Simmons situation. I'm sure as the episode goes on. Uh, but I mean, from the defensive end of the court, he was as as good as ever. But he's no his offensive ability. No, no. Uh, uh, Shake Milton's the guy that I want to bring up. Uh, Shake Milton. This is a guy where like. Prior to this, people like didn't even know he existed. Basically. Like and I remember I remember last year me and me and you were were loving some Shake loving some Shake Milton, especially in uh when we were doing DFS. He was a he was I remember he was literally in my lineup like almost every day.
0: He was a great value. He
1: was and he was a great I think I think he's gonna be a great value this upcoming season too. Uh like thirteen points per game in only twenty three minutes. Uh, what what I really love about him is that he did his role wasn't always consistent. There there were nights and there were stretches where they didn't really use him or didn't really need him. But when he was called upon to do whatever the team needed to do, he delivered. And I like I like seeing those guys that you know can. Are ready to ready to be called upon on in a mo on a moment's notice and produce on any given night when they haven't needed to for like a week or two prior. He really was able to do whatever they needed him to do. What went uh And I love I love seeing guys like that. And he was really if you look about their best offensive option off the bench too. And the Philadelphia over the recent years. The 76ers' bench has really not been anything. They haven't really gotten a ton of production out of the bench re- in recent memory. And Shake Milton's the guy where, especially now with the uncertainty of Ben Simmons, Shake Milton is going to be play a huge role this season. Uh, so that's that. He he's my he's my pick. Uh, out of everybody.
0: Yeah, and he was one for me as well. We talk about, um, not every episode, but it seems like every episode, having a strong primary ball handler coming off the bench and running that second unit, and uh, I mean, Shake Milton did that. He started a few games. He was successful in that role, so offensively, he was definitely an important piece, and I mean, that's the big question with the 76ers team. Nobody's going to question their defensive ability. It's always going to be, can they score enough to beat the top teams in the league? That's a reality that we have with this franchise right now. So he's definitely one for me. Um, The other one is probably, unsurprisingly, Matisse-Tiebel um, for me. Oh, no. Uh, I know, oh, shocking. Oh, no, not a defensive guy. I know. Oh, it, it's funny, though. I guess I because he's so strong defensively. He made the all-second defensive team, which probably went under the radar, only playing 20 minutes a game, which I just find fascinating. Uh, typically, when you see guys make those teams, you know they're playing 28-plus minutes, but he, the impact that he had in only 20 minutes a game is pretty outstanding. It's hilarious when you look at his stats, because he didn't even average four points a game, 44% from the free throw line, 30% from three. I mean... His offensive numbers are not good, and that's what's kept him on the bench right now because when you have Embiid and Simmons in your starting lineup, I mean, they really didn't need more defensive help. He was really the anchor defensively of their second team last year, interestingly enough, but he definitely deserves recognition. And uh, the guy that he reminds me of, I think I mentioned it before, but he reminds me exactly of Bruce Bowen when he was with the Spurs. And if you looked at Bruce Bowen's stats, (laughs) offensive stats, he was pretty terrible Throughout his 10 plus years with the Spurs, but he made several all defensive teams. He never, I was curious, he never averaged more than eight points in a season, Bruce Bowen. So offensively, he never had an impact, but I mean, his defensive impact could not be undermined. But he was playing close to 30 minutes a game almost every season. So I'll be interested, especially. You're assuming Ben Simmons is going to be gone at some point. Whether or not that's this season is another question, but I think defensively they would honestly still be okay because a lot of those minutes will probably go to Tybal if he's able to uh, carve out more of a role. So uh, that's Tybal and Shake Milton were the two for me. Let's head over to their offseason. Through the draft, they acquired three players. Jaden Springer at 28 overall, Felipe Petrusev at 50, and then Charles Bassey at 53, free agent slash trade additions, Andre Drummond, Shaquille Harrison, Georges Niang, Grant Ryler, key losses. I say every single one now, so you don't yell at me. Uh, Haywood Highsmith, Dwight Howard, George Hill, Rajon Tucker, Anthony Tolliver, Gary Clark, and Mike Scott. So, I mean, fairly quiet, but mm-hmm. overall, what do you think of this offseason?
1: Uh, I mean honestly the off season the their the off season was dominated by the Ben Simmons situation anything they did kind of uh took a backseat to that uh this is that's a, it's going to be an interesting situation I think when we get to in a minute when we talk mm-hmm. about the the roster for the upcoming season we can talk more about the Jaden Sprinter pick is very interesting to me because of Ben Simmons. Now, if Ben if Ben Simmons is missing for a chunk of the season, I'm going to assume that Shake Milton steps in uh, to that starting role, and then behind him, it's really Jaden Sprinter. Uh, he's gonna get some minutes this season. Forgetting
0: getting Tyrese Maxey.
1: Yeah, but Maxey's
0: Maxey and uh, Milton have both been competing for that starting point guard yeah, spot. Yeah, okay, but...
1: so yeah, either either way, either way. I mean, you're gonna see Jaden Springer. He's gonna have a decent role, uh, especially if Ben Simmons isn't there. Uh, so he's going to be an interesting name. The other two guys, they're kind of irrelevant at this point. Uh, but Andre Drummond, I mean, that kind of Andre Drummond, Dwight Howard, that's one of those, you know, I think Andre Drummond's a bit younger, has a, probably has the ability to offer you a little bit just more on a nightly basis. He is a little bit younger than Dwight Howard. Uh, but other than that, I mean, eh. it was eh. it was they're not in a position to do much, especially with the Ben Simmons situation. So it was, all, it was all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, salary cap wise, they don't have much flexibility, a lot of money going to even Tobias Harris, Simmons MB. there's just not much to work with behind that. So yeah, I mean, I think Dwight Howard could have a little more of an impact than people realize just because he brings a lot of energy and just overall leadership coming off of the bench. Maybe skill set wise, Andre Drummond's not a huge drop off, but Andre Drummond is not known for being a high energy, high character player for being, and I don't want to say Dwight Howard necessarily has been known as a high character, but just high energy. And I think at this point in his career, he's honestly been a pretty good leader um, wherever he's gone and he's bounced around quite a bit now here but I think that that's a move that's underrated and could make a difference I mean when you look at their other losses I mean none of these guys were consistently in their rotation except George Hill and George Hill I mean they have enough young pieces with young. They- shake Milton and Maxi they're all I mean George Hill is Shaq more Mil- of a luxury
1: Maxie. they got Shaq Harrison now, Cork Moss, Grinner,
0: so. Yeah, they have a lot of depth there right now, so really George Hill was a luxury that they don't necessarily need at this point, so um, let's, you mentioned the depth chart, let's review it, we'll talk about Ben Simmons, the combo of him and Embiid, and just where this team stands right now, so in the backcourt right now, they have Ben Simmons and Seth Curry listed as the starters. Behind those two, you have Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, um, Firkin and Cork Maz, Jaden Springer, Shaquille Harrison. Lots of names there. At the three, right now Isaiah they have Joe. Isaiah Joe is actually there too. Uh, that was one of their draft picks from the previous season. Um, at the three, they have Danny Green, Mitis Tybo listed. Danny Green, always one of my boys. I uh, he's still kicking. As important piece of a very solid squad here. Then at the four, they have Tobias Harris listed as a starter with George Niang behind him. Then at the five, you have Embiid and Drummond. So quite. A, this is a fairly deep team overall. So what do you think of this? Any generic thoughts on it?
1: Uh, I mean, we talked about their backcourt depth already a bit. I think in the short term... I think they're gonna be fine if Ben Simmons doesn't play or only plays a handful of games or whatever happens with Ben Simmons. Uh, they have a lot of depth to make up for it. I mean, we mentioned they—they literally have—they have, they go like five or six guards deep. Mm-hmm. So I'm now there's no replacing Ben Simmons on the defensive end of the court. Uh, you kind of look at all those guys that, I mean, that's aside aside from really talk when you talk about all these guards that they have, none of them are defensive specialists. Uh, so that defensive end of the court, they're going to struggle, but I think, at least in the short term, I think they're going to be fine without Ben Simmons. Now, if they want to win a championship or seriously compete, in the Eastern Conference, then obviously they are better with Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I know the narrative that he can't shoot, uh, but the fact is that you watch Ben Simmons on a nightly basis shut down the opposing, the the other team's best player, don't matter what position that guy plays. If the other team's best guy is the center, he will go on that guy and lock him down if he's a point guard, he will lock that. Guy. He can lock down the opposing uh team's best player with no hesitation. We we saw them he, we saw him do it against Trey Young last year in the playoffs. Trey Young could not do squat in that series versus Philadelphia. Uh and that was mainly because of Ben Simmons. Uh, so, Ben Simmons, extremely versatile on the defensive end of the court. He is such a key to the 76ers' defense. Uh, notice all the praise I'm giving Ben Simmons is on the defensive end of the court. As, as if you haven't uh, noticed, he, he is a great playmaker on the offensive end. That's pretty much all he can do. Uh, so... I mean what what do you I'm curious to get, what do you think? Do you think uh let's see, to me at this point the relationship is beyond repair with the seventy six. Yeah. Uh but especially that relationship between him and Embiid. He Embiid really like he talked about the situation but didn't really go insanely in depth. <laughs> but I think behind closed doors, Embiid just hates Benson. I really think this situation has kind of soured their relationship. Is this, do you see any scenario where this Ben Simmons situation in Philly could work out in any sort of way? Or is this just like a, is this a situation where, and this is where, I, this is my final thought before I kick it over to you. Is Ben Simmons going to play just enough? So that the 76ers can actually just get a decent package
0: for them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what's going on behind closed doors. Typically when relationships turn this toxic, uh, they don't usually get repaired, especially in sports when a guy like Ben Simmons has a lot of value and somebody out there is not going to pay what reportedly the 76ers want with like 500 first round picks, but he has a lot of value as not only on the defensive end, but he's a great playmaker too offensively. And with his size and length, I don't think he should be a primary ball handler necessarily. But if you're talking about a guy that you're starting for, we'll say, and he can also handle the ball and rebound and be a playmaker, that's where I think he's better served. You know, when, that's why I love, I wish the Mavericks could find a way to get him because I think him and Luca are a match made in heaven, but, uh, you know, Luca, they keep saying needs a second ball handler to take some pressure off of him. Luca's not a great defender. Just from every aspect, it makes sense. So I wish that's a deal that could happen. I haven't heard any reports about that, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be really challenging at this point. The 76ers, though, for being honest about it, hold a lot of the cards because i don't think ben simmons is the level of player where he can just say i'm not playing and another team's gonna brush it off because as much as he's very talented he's not james harden where somebody's gonna be like i don't care we want james harden uh i think it's a little different in this case but I don't. I think it's a little sad because I'm in the minority here, but I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could win a championship together. Or and not. I most people don't say that anytime you watch ESPN or any other NBA analyst. But if we're looking at the construction of this team, I mean, tell me if I'm crazy here. I don't think they're built that much differently than the Bucks. They I think are
1: they're built around Ben. The thing is, and this is what's frustrating about. They built their team to accommodate Ben Simmons. Yeah.
0: Yep. And I like how they do it. They've surrounded him with a lot of shooters, with even guys like Danny Green, Seth Curry. I mean, that's very strategic because Ben Simmons has no ability to shoot the ball. And in order to space the floor, they needed to bring in shooters. And they've done a really good job in doing that. Perfect,
1: so You got the perfect center to go with him with indeed.
0: And indeed. So, I don't know. When you look at the their top three, and Tobias Harris, who I haven't mentioned, is arguably the most underrated player in the entire NBA. He's averaged over 18 points a game the I'm last sad. four seasons. I'm
1: still sad, sad that Bucks gave up on him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was only there his first two seasons and then was gone. But he had the 39th best efficiency rating. He's a great defender, a good three-point shooter. And I feel like he's a very underrated piece. But that's why I feel like the combination of... Simmons and and Tobias Harris is just as good as the top three that the Bucks just won with. This is a deep team. They have good three point shooting. One thing that I think needs to be mentioned too, with the 76ers is doc rivers. I feel like has a lot of pressure on him right now. That's two seasons where his team's really disappointed in the playoffs. And I don't think it's necessarily because the 76ers overachieved in the regular season, But I think losing, and not even losing in the playoffs, but losing to the Hawks specifically, I think really stings, because that's a team that should not have upset the 76ers. They're better all around, I mean, at really almost every position, and they're just a better-built team. So I think Doc Rivers has a lot of pressure on him. The Ben Simmons situation is on ice right now. All of that makes me really nervous for this season, because if we just looked at this team and this depth chart individual or you know without considering any of those other factors I mean this is a championship caliber team it really is they have a championship yeah. head coach they have championship depth it's impressive that they were a top 7 three point shooting team with Ben Simmons as your primary ball handler I mean that's super impressive so I think they have all of the elements that you need to win a championship but when you have this kind of I'd imagine that locker room right now is, there's a lot of tension right now, and I don't know too many locker rooms that win a championship with tension. So if Ben Simmons, whether or not Ben Simmons is there, I think either way, because I do think Tybill could pick up a lot of defensive slack. Um, This is still, to me, a top four team with or without Ben Simmons. I'd have him closer to four or five without Ben Simmons, but... I don't think there's any reason if this they're able to clear the air here that they can't be a number one, number two seed again.
1: Yeah, and that's the reality. Is And we'll depend. If let's we'll say, and I, I don't, obviously I don't think Ben Simmons, if he plays for them this season, is going to play the entire year or play a, a ton. It's kind of going to be a situation where he plays enough to gain some some trade value, I think, if that's the scenario we're looking at, and we'll see what kind of we don't know if they trade Ben Simmons. What what players could they're not? It's not just going to be a ton of picks. There's mm-hmm. going to be a player. To, there's going to be a couple of players involved. So, depending on who they get, that could influence some things. But, but yeah, with with let's say without Ben Simmons there, I mean, I still think at worst at worst they're a five. I see. I mean, this team is built. Yeah, like I said, this team is uh has championship depth and is built like a championship team. Uh, but at the same time, I do think they need Ben Simmons to win them a championship. Mm-hmm. They need. I don't think this team without Ben Simmons is winning a title.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of funny to say that because he really did. I don't want to say choke, but he did kind of choke in the playoff last year. So it's uh, it's ironic that you're not alone in saying that they need him in order to win a championship. But he was I mean, he was horrendous in that series against the Hawks. He only took six shots a game. He wasn't overly effective as a playmate. Everything offensively was just a wreck. And you could tell when the spotlight was on him, he wanted uh, to be as far away from the spotlight as possible. And I don't know. That's concerning for a primary ball handler to that's, me. That's, why, that's
1: not going to happen in Philadelphia, I'll tell you that right
0: now. So that's why I don't you know. You going to get
1: away from the spotlight in Phil? You might as well go to, like, freaking Sacramento or something.
0: That's why both Portland and Dallas make a lot of sense, honestly. Because um, he can be, and as much as he's in, it's – odd to me because Joel Embiid is more important and the better player, but I feel like it's always been Embiid and Simmons. I feel like people still aren't looking at Embiid on a different level, where if he was in Dallas or Portland, he would clearly be in Luka's shadow or Damian Lillard's shadow. So, now well, those are, yeah. we've mentioned both those teams a few times, but I just, I think it's funny that everyone's like, he's so important to them winning a championship, and you could argue he was one of the reasons they didn't. Advance last year. Oh
1: yeah, hundred percent. And that's kind of that. That's that's the re- that's the reality. They need Benson, but at the same time, they they might they. I think I per- I personally think they should move on. They should get rid of Benson as, as soon as they can. Uh, get get some picks, get pieces, and kind of and try to go forward with Joel Embiid as the main centerpiece and all these guys around him. And that that's. That team, this like like we said, without Ben Simmons, this team's still a top. Uh, I think this team's still a top half team in the East, and they. I'm not saying they're they're gonna win the championship, but they can definitely make a run.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree, and I mean sometimes in situations like this, a it's Philadelphia, and I'd imagine whenever Ben Simmons plays, and if he suits up for him, he's gonna get the crap boot out of him. I mean, the Philly market does not respond well to guys like this. So and I think after that series and the way he was criticized and the way he kind of just broke apart, sometimes you just need a fresh start if we're being honest about it. So from Ben Simmons standpoint, from Philly's standpoint, it makes sense to move on long term. I think in the short term, it hurts a little bit because maybe Philly's championship aspirations are pushed back. But at, at the end of the day, long term, it just makes sense to move on. Mm -hmm. So, all right. I think that's it for the 76ers. Uh, We have two teams left, the Phoenix Suns and Utah Jazz, which are two interesting teams to me because they were the top two teams in the West. And literally nobody is picking them to come out of the Western Conference this season. So uh, I think that'll be uh, two interesting episodes. So if you don't want to miss those, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to podcasts and make sure you throw this video a like. But we'll see you guys next time.